We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The story of the history of baseball isn't complete without soon-to-be Hall of Famer Buck O'Neill's journey. Baseball's Lifetime Achievement Award is named after the man who made Kansas City the mecca of honoring the history of not just the Negro Leagues with the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, located in the historic 18th and Vine District in Kansas City, but also baseball as we know it today. We're lucky to be joined by two of the people who not only dedicate most of their energy to honoring Buck's legacy, but the museum and everyone associated with the Negro Leagues but also stewards of Kansas City and people who are focused on bringing people together. Thank you to Kiana Sinks and Bob Kendrick, uh, Kiana is the Community Engagement and Digital Strategy Manager for the museum, and obviously Bob Kendrick, President of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, host of the award-winning Black Diamonds podcast on Sirius XM Radio, and a man once described by people that I respect as the best storyteller out there today. Both of you, (laughs) welcome to Holiday Distillery up here in Weston, Missouri, beautiful spot outside of Kansas City. I'm um, really excited. been trying to do this show for the last month or so with the holidays and the weather and all the stuff, but I uh, couldn't be more excited to have you guys up today and talk about all the cool stuff that you both have going on. So thank you. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I want to start, Kiana, with you because you and I have known each other a little bit and we've talked, but yeah. um, when we talk about Buck O'Neill and, and most people listening will be familiar with Buck, but might not know everything about who he is. And I know that both of you are so entrenched into honoring his legacy. Just what is the last month? I know it's a loaded question. We'll, we'll break it all down, but just what has the last month been like for you as someone that's got a different relationship with Buck and in, in your thoughts of him than necessarily Bob does. Let's start with you, Kiana. Yeah, well, that's, that is a loaded question. <laughs> I don't know how to start or answer that, but you know, for me, I feel like it's, I feel like I'm living in a twilight zone because I hear Bob talk about Buck and he shared obviously a lot of time with him and was gracious enough to travel, you know, with Buck here in Kansas city and across the country and, you know, watch the museum, you know, come to fruition. And a lot of that was, through Buck and Bob was very fortunate to be a part of that process. And so, you know, for me, I go back to sitting in Buck's seat at the K uh, this past summer, and it was quite clear, you know, why, you know, Buck loved Kansas City. And, you know, you see it from his perspective at the K and you think about, you know, man, what it must have been to sit here and watch these games and, you know, scout and just be such a legendary person, not only for baseball, for, but for Kansas City. And then I, you know, fast forward to, you know, leading up to December 5th, obviously when he was voted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame, 
and sharing just those moments leading up to that decision day with Bob, it was like, man, we're really, we're really about to do this. We're really about to have a watch party. <laughs> we're really about to recreate that moment that we literally had when he missed by one vote in 2006 at the Negro League Baseball Museum. We had the same pretty much setup, right? Like 15 years ago, but we really redid that uh, on December 5th. And so for me, it was very emotional internally to see it from Bob's perspective to almost really be able to, I think, close, put a, put a close on that chapter. Yeah. And now it's complete. And, you know, it, it really sets the museum up for a lot of, a lot more great opportunities in moving forward. But I think for me, when I think about the museum and just my role in now, I mean, I feel one way, but I can only imagine how Bob feels, you know, which I'm sure he'll he'll answer that. But it's like, man, I'm I'm happy for him, you know, yeah. because I can only imagine, you know, when he was living, breathing with us, you know, in 06, it's like, man, this is something this is his best friend. This was someone that he shared a lot of time with together, you know, and, and yeah. to witness that moment history. People will ask, where were you when, when you found out Buck O'Neill got elected into the National Baseball Hall of Fame? And I'll be able to say, I was at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, <laughs> you know? So it's it's just, it's it's just such a, a really, for me, like an iconic time, not only to, to, to be able to witness, but now be able to actively, yeah. you know, engage with what Buck did, which is, I have a job because of Buck O'Neill. <laughs> And I want to ask Bobby about that because I, I listened to your podcast and I heard you talk about kind of fighting the the urge and not making the decision to like the week prior of having people together yeah. at the museum because yeah. you didn't want to be you like I want to be in my own world about this. Because, and I've asked a lot of loaded questions in my career, and for someone who specifically the last ten years have dedicated so much of your life of the honor honoring the legacy of another man, uh, and anybody out there, just any interview or anything you ever hear buck talk it does not take long in listening to the way that you and i've heard you talk about people are just drawn to him he never met yeah. a stranger that you hear that immediately in like a 30 second sound by you're like that's a guy that i want to talk to that's a guy that i want to hang out with so for you just can you describe the emotions and everything going into that day from what you remember uh and then now have you had a chance to really process your role in yeah. what you've been able to accomplish in honoring somebody that deserves so much more than any of us could ever possibly do. It, it, it's really hard to, I think, truly kind of capsulate what it all has been like, because you got to remember in 2006, when it didn't happen, we thought the door was now closed, that there wasn't going to ever be an opportunity for Buck to get in. And I had resigned in the fact that that was never going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. The Hall of Fame, as you can recall, in 2008, came back and created the Buck O'Neill Lifetime Achievement Award, erected a life-size statue of Buck. And I was cool with that. You know, it, the outcome that we had hoped for in 2006 didn't happen. Buck was beautiful in helping us all accept that it didn't happen. And that the Hall of Fame came back and did something that I thought was not token in nature. The Buck O'Neill Lifetime Achievement Award, erecting that life-size statue is truly meaningful. And you could make a legitimate argument that it may be even more meaningful than the plaque on the wall. 
Because every time, every three years, when they present the Buck O'Neill Lifetime Achievement Award to someone who has had that kind of impact on the game that Buck did and carries that spirit that Buck O'Neill carried, well, you can't help but remember his museum. So now Buck was going to be remembered in perpetuity there at the Hall of Fame. And every time Buck is remembered, it's hard pressed not to remember his museum. So that is certainly more than token in nature. And so I had kind of pushed this to the back burner. And then all of a sudden we catch wind that there was going to be this new kind of committees that the Hall of Fame was going to form. And the word started to seek out that that Buck might be on the ballot. So now all of a sudden this reopens not only the door, but some of those wounds from 2006. Mm -hmm. And so wasn't sure how this process was going to play out. And then I actually had conversations with the Hall of Fame and got a better understanding of how they were going to put basically two committees together to select the people who would be on the ballot and another committee to eventually vote to determine who was going in. Now I'm really nervous because when the actual press release came out to announce who had made the ballot, in my haste and anxiousness, I did not see Buck's name. And my heart sank in my stomach. I went back and looked again as, oh, there he is. Okay, now I'm really nervous now because it's real now. And I knew then that we were going to go back and experience many of the same things that Keanu referenced that we experienced in 2006. And understanding that I had to prepare myself mentally, emotionally, and to some degree physically because it was just so devastating the first time around. And I'm like, okay, all right, here we go again. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what I texted my good friend, Joe Posnanski. He said, here we go again. Or as Yogi Berra would say, it's deja vu all over again. (laughs) And and so now I'm nervous from the time that his name shows up on the ballot and we get to Sunday, December the 5th. And it's been a nervous process the entire time. And, And people were constantly asking me, if I thought he would get in. Is he going to get in this time? And I knew they meant well, but hell, I didn't know. You know, <laughs> I was just as hopeful as they were. And, and so, but Sunday, December 5th in, in particular, I get up that morning. I'm trying to do everything in my power to not think about this election. And so I get up and I go to my favorite breakfast place, Nisi's, and I go in the soul food spot. And I go into the restaurant and damn near everybody in the restaurant was asking me if Buck was going to get in. Uh, And so I couldn't get away from it there. I enjoyed a great breakfast, but I couldn't get away from it there. So I decided, you know what? You need to let off some of this energy. So I go to the driving range. I just bought a new shaft from a golf club. And, you know, crazy as I am, the very next day after the election, I was headed to Orlando for an eight-day golf trip. That was not very smartly put together there, but I didn't have an idea when the hall was actually going to make this announcement by the time we are scheduled this, this golf vacation. So I go to the driving range and I had a large bucket of balls. That's a lot of swings. Yeah. And, and so I'm trying to work off some of this anxiety. And, but I knew by the time I finished that large bucket of balls, I may not be able to move the next day. Cause you know, this old body can't take that many swings. And so then I go home and uh, we just started watching some of the football game. Uh, and then I made my way to the museum about three o'clock and a writer from the athletic was going to meet me and just hang out with me. 
you know, as we were building up to the announcement, we did a little TV interview thing, and then we had set it up for me and Kathy Nelson, the CEO of the Greater Kansas City Sports Commission, to do a live Q&A that would be the lead-in to the announcement. Mm -hmm. So we do that. We answer some questions. Great crowd there for this. And uh, now I think people, they can see it on my face. People were coming to me, just trying, trying to calm me down. And, you know, I'm using this very calm, collected guy. And I'm trying to be, I'm sweating BBs, though, to be honest. And my friends over at Major League Baseball Network, God bless them. They did a beautiful job with the show itself. But when they flipped, you know, you would have thought they would have done the early era ballot first. Yeah. But instead, they do the they do the golden days ballot, and they're gonna make me wait even longer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then when Josh gets to the early era ballot, by that time, I knew that two Negro leaguers had gotten me. I thought for certain John Donaldson would get in. Now I'm nervous again because first name I hear was Bud Fowler, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, that might be some. This this may not happen again. Now, I've got headphones on. I've got to go live with MLB Network as soon as this announcement is made. And I'm saying to myself, you've got to be able to handle the emotions of this, irregardless of whether or not it's your guy, because I got to talk to these folks right after this announcement is made. I'm not as astute as my friend Joe Posnansky. Joe had quickly recognized that when Josh did the Golden Days ballot, mm-hmm. he did them alphabetically. Mm-hmm. And so Joe said he knew the minute that Josh said Bud Fowler that John Donaldson had not gotten there, mm-hmm. that it was in all likelihood Buck. And sure enough, when Josh started to read the bio, we all knew the moment he started to read the bio, the room kind of erupted. Uh, for me, it was kind of one of these, yes. And then uh, you feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off your shoulders. And at that point, I'm overcome with emotions, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm going back and forth between those 15 years. And you wish that your friend was here with you to, to celebrate that moment. And everything in and around it that Kiana described uh, kind of came cascading back. And I had said I wasn't going to cry. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> But as I, as I remind people this time, it wasn't tears of anguish, it was tears of joy. And, and so it's a moment that I will remember again, as long as my mother say, would say that as long as I'm in my natural mind. And, and I find it even more interesting because Kiana, who is new to the museum, she never met Buck. But I think to see her overcome with emotion, which maybe some of that was you know, seeing me overcome with emotions and knowing what this meant to me. And, but having worked at the museum now for over a year, understanding what Buck's legacy means to our museum. Uh, it was interesting because it's generational now, yeah. you know, and I think it also speaks to the impact that Buck O'Neill had. And I think the part of the story that, that resonates with me, and I think this is one of those situations where there's so much good there that everyone will be able to kind of latch on to, to what they think is special about that story. There's so many cool things and just ways that he was said genuine beyond baseball, beyond the Negro leagues, but he was going to be an impactful person no matter what he did based oh, yeah. on just the way that he carried himself and how he loved people. And again, and listen to your podcast, I heard you talk about, you know, he couldn't not love another human. 
and just the basic nature of, of people like me that couldn't understand everything that he went through, but to, to not get in and his immediate reaction. I think you talked about the, the strength that he showed to still show love for the 17 other Negro leaders who did, as you yeah. say, cross over. Yeah. Uh, and I think you said paradise or whatever yeah, yeah. you described it, but from a step back and understand human nature and the, the grace that someone must carry with them in a very genuine and authentic way to an immediate reaction to your entire life's work and not being recognized in that way, but caring so much about the cause mm-hmm. that is immediate reaction. Do you say he was probably disappointed, but you didn't feel that. So the fact that you are dedicating and you're both dedicating so much time. And I know we've talked about this, but you guys are dedicating so much time again to honoring the legacy of someone else. There's not a better display of love in my, in my perspective. So have you had a chance to kind of sit back and, and really download to, to use a, to use a, a current term, the impact and, and what you guys have been able to do and, and what that means to you individually. Yeah. You know, I, I've thought about it. I, I've thought about all the work that has gone on since Buck passed away 15 years ago. And you know, I understand we'll be 16 years this year. I understand that when we lost Buck, to use a bad baseball analogy, and I think you can relate to this, we lost our power hitter. We lost our power hitter. And you realize at that moment that your offense is not going to be quite as potent as it was if you take your power hitter out of the middle of that lineup. And we knew then that we were going to have to play some small ball. We're going to have to manufacture runs in order to keep Buck's museum alive and well. And you think about everything that has transpired over those 15 years since he passed away and understanding what he wanted to happen if he had gotten in the Hall of Fame in 06. It really wasn't about him. It was Buck. There was nothing self-serving about Buck at all. This was about his museum. His Hall of Fame induction was about how could it impact his museum in a way that will make it financially stable. And, And we have to now do that 15 years later. That's the big task at hand. We can kind of exhale now that it has finally at long last happened. Buck O'Neill is taking his rightful place amongst the immortals of our game where he absolutely deserves to be. But the real pressure now comes in how do we parlay this opportunity into financial success for his museum? Because that is the best way to continue to perpetuate Buck O'Neill's legacy. That's what he wanted. He wanted people to support his museum. And now it's really incumbent upon us to figure out how to do this. So we absolutely have to maximize what is truthfully a once in a lifetime opportunity. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and Kiana, I want to ask you about that because you guys had some news this week just on January 6th. You had the the mint coins and it was announced before, but they're available now. Can you just go into what that program is, what it could mean to the museum and how anyone who's listening that wants to support the legacy and all of those things, yeah. and maybe not live in the Kansas City area that wants to come back and visit what exactly is it? How did it come together? And how can someone support it by getting one of those coins? Yeah, no, I Bob started in 2020. With yeah, actually in 2019 with yeah. this crazy idea of doing a coin. Yeah. And so, you know, he and Senator Roy Blount and Congressman Cleveland and a few members on our board were very instrumental, you know, especially obviously looking back during the presidential election time was very uh, interesting and hard to get Republicans and Democrats to agree on anything. And so the fact that, you know, Bob always talks about getting, you know, the prestige of getting these coins, you know, and, and so many other contenders that, you know, could have potentially been one of the beneficiaries for us to, you know, get these are, are is really cool. Um, and it speaks yeah. to, you know, as we say, the, the winning spirit of the Negro Leagues and how, Again, it brings everybody to the table. And so now and flipping that and, and connecting it to Bob and, you know, his mention about, you know, making sure that Bucks Museum is able to, you know, we, we think about the long term financial sustainability of our institution. The U.S. Mint coin does just that. Uh, so, you know, you put gold, silver and plaid, plaid. Yeah, kind of a copper clad mm-hmm. coin. Uh-huh. And Bob sat through all of the meetings <laughs> uh, with, you know, going through. So that was a process. The, yeah. The inspiration, the inspiration of, you know, talking about these athletes. So these artists could go back and oh. design these coins. Um, and then they did a pretty, pretty damn good job. <laughs> it's, they're beautiful. Um, and so if every coin is sold successfully, uh, $6 million will come back to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And, you know, after the Mint recoups their costs and things like that, it came at no no cost to taxpayers, which is great. And so it's a win-win for us. And now we just need to figure out a way um, as we continue to move forward through this year um, to sell every coin so they're not yeah. melted. Yeah. How does, how does they're actually destroyed. That? They're actually destroyed. If we don't sell them all by the end, yeah. of, we got a year oh, year's wow. period of time to sell through the allotment of coins. Uh as required by the legislation. Okay. And as Kiana mentioned, if we do sell through the full allotment, we could raise nearly $6 million for the museum in wow. surcharges that come back. And it's an amazing opportunity. So we're tremendously proud of the fact that we just released the first ever yeah. U.S. Mint Negro Leagues coins. And now we got to sell them. <laughs> It, yeah, yeah, now we got to sell them now. 
And, and so y'all buy those coins. <laughs> <laughs> All the Kansas City Sports Network followers. You mentioned it. And it's, it's making the connection. But you talk about like people talking about their contemporaries and, and people and like myself and other people who are listening to these podcasts are sitting at home and be like, I love Buck. I loved everything he represented. How can I help? How can I be about that? And having this coin is almost like something you could just be like, I'm a friend of the museum. Exactly. I, I am supporting the museum. Exactly. This, is, this is my way of tangibly showing that I support and, something and, that you can't put a finger on. And the cool thing about it, BJ, is you're buying a piece of history that is only going to grow in value over time. Yeah. So you're making an investment in history and this museum but you're also taking something that will only escalate in value. Yeah. But in the long run, it's an easy way for people to support the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, but still get something very tangible and very valuable uh, in return. And so hopefully that will fuel this campaign. We had a robust first day uh, on the release. We just got a lot of work to do over the next almost year to make sure that we move as many of these coins as we possibly can. And for me, I have to look at it from two strategic aspects. How do we sell as many as we can? And then if we don't sell them all through, how can I keep them in circulation? So we have to figure out a way to make sure that they're not destroyed, that the rest of the remaining coins can be consumed by us and so that we can keep them in circulation. They're beautiful pieces. And so the early reaction to the designs of the coins have been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, now, gold is not cheap. <laughs> now, the other coins are very reasonably priced, but the gold coins are actually priced week after week based on what the price of gold is at that moment. So they're a little bit on the expensive side. But again, you're buying a piece of history that whatever that price is today, it may be yeah. three, four fold in 15, 20 years from now. It's going to be my retirement plan. How can somebody get that, uh, get one of those that are interested? No, they can go, they can go onto our website. We've okay. got a link to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Mint's website uh, as well on our site at nlbm.com. Or you can go directly to the U.S. Mint's website and look at the Negro League's commemorative coin collection and purchase right there. They're being fulfilled by the Mint. Uh, make sure and, you take a picture of it and you put it out on social so everyone knows that you're please a friend. Please do that. Everyone knows you're a friend the, of the museum. When you because that. that's the other thing that people can do. Even if you can't necessarily afford to buy the coin, what you can do is help us promote the coin. Right. So we challenge everyone to push this out there to their social media followings. Because that's what we've got to do in the end, BJ. We've got to build this huge network of folks who will look at this opportunity to support the museum and the more, the merrier in, in this case. Well, I know of a network that will do whatever it can to promote what you guys have going on and continue to do that. And I, I want to continue promoting the stuff that you guys have going on beyond the Bitcoin. We could spend an entire hour talking about all the different things <laughs> that you guys have going on. But let's talk KC to Cooperstown. The yes. event that you guys have, and let's talk November 11th, Buck's birthday. Let's start with those two, and then we'll get to breaking barriers as well. But yeah, so much. I mean, you. I mean, you're just right. You're right. I mean, you just think about this. We we let off the show talking about Buck going into the Hall of Fame, and now this incredible commemorative coin that begins the new year for us. And now we've got to plan a Buck O'Neill Hall of Fame celebration to do what we talked about <laughs> earlier to try and maximize, give people an opportunity to celebrate with us 
but also to create an opportunity, a platform to raise a lot of money in support of the museum in Buck Spirit. So we will be planning two key events. A Casey to Cooperstown caravan that will be planned for that Hall of Fame weekend. And of course, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony is July 24th. We're already talking to several of our friends about events that we can do in Cooperstown, not only for those from Kansas City, but Buck O'Neill fans from around the country uh, will likely descend a lot of Cub fans, you know, because of Buck's ties to the Chicago Cubs and the fact that contemporaries like Lee Smith, Billy Williams, who are in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, who are connected to Buck O'Neill, Fergie Jenkins, still alive with us, the hopes that they will be able to join us for a Cooperstown celebration. Uh, that's exciting. And then November the 12th, we will have a big Kansas City Buck O'Neill Hall of Fame celebration and what would be his 111th birthday the following day. So these will be combined into a big KC celebration. Again, hopefully this crazy virus will loosen its grip on us and we'll be able to do these event things in a real impactful kind of way. So, you know, got arms, fingers, legs, toes, everything crossed, you know, that we can get control of this crazy virus and really be able to celebrate the way that we would like to celebrate. But we've got these dates on the calendar and we're starting to plan as if they are going to happen because that's exactly what we have to do. Yeah. Prepare for success. Exactly. And I got to ask you this question. This is another loaded question. It's a podcast full of loaded questions, but you're probably the most, uh, most educated person to be able to answer this question. And <laughs> if Buck was with us when you got that news, uh, besides just being really excited, what do you think his emotional state would have been? He would have been thrilled. He, he would have been thrilled because in 2006, he thought he was in. There ain't no question in my mind. He thought he was in. We were all preparing for a Hall of, Hall of Fame celebration announcement, and it didn't happen. And, and as you well know, I had to tell my friend that he didn't, didn't get enough votes to get in. I can only imagine what his acceptance speech would have been like. To some degree, we heard a little bit of it in 2006 when he did go speak on behalf of those 17 and if I'm fortunate enough to get the opportunity to speak at the Hall of Fame, I will likely, in my own remarks, capture a lot of what he said that day. Because every time that I heard Buck say, I've been a lot of places in my life, I've done a lot of things that I really like doing, I hit the home run, I hit the Grand Slam home run, I shook hands with President Truman, I shook hands with President Clinton and I hugged Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he would go on to say, but I'd rather be right here right now than any place I'd ever been in my life. And it, that was always a part of his speech. But BJ, every time he said that, he meant that. Mm -hmm. It was always about the present, the moment, the encounters that I'm having right now. Because I'm learning every single day. And that's what motivated Buck. And I think he'd have brought that with him again to the, to the Hall of Fame, to that moment at the museum. I think it would have been emotional for him. He's a very strong man. But the outpouring of love that Buck had received leading into that and then post-announcement 
when Buck O'Neill left this world, he knew that he was loved. Yeah, and, and that meant the world to him because he gave so much love and people gave it back to him. You know, and, and I think that's what would have been the moment that we all would have just relished in seeing. Again, we saw a little bit of that in defeat. Yeah. But man, it would have been amazing to do this with the with Buck having gotten in the Hall of Fame in 2006. Yeah. And hopefully his Buck, his Negro Leagues Museum family can carry that spirit with us to the Hall of Fame you know, later on this year. I was going to say, I know you guys have been championing that cause, but everybody who is touched by his story has the responsibility of making that moment as beautiful as it would have been for us to see him accept all that love mm-hmm. and to see it mm-hmm. that everyone else can see the impact that one person made. And and, and, and even to this that. day, I, I it, it just warms my heart at how many people sent emails, sent text messages, you know, just to say, hey, man, we just, we're happy for you all. You know, when he passed away, people sent me text messages and emails saying I'm praying for you because they knew what Buck meant to me and how challenging that situation was. And so the outpouring of love is still coming our way. And it just it makes you feel good in a world that sometimes is looked at so cynically that we understand that there's still a lot of love in this world. And people were willing to share that and express that. But again, a man like Buck O'Neill seems to exude that. And brings that about. And can I know ask you this? And it's another loaded question, but uh, what's your your focus um, moving forward? You got a lot of things to plan, a lot of things to promote. Um, how can people help what you've got going on and what you have doing? And then we'll get into breaking barriers. I do want to talk about yeah. that as well. Yeah. No, I think for for me now, it's taking all the crazy ideas that Bob, I'm sure, will be throwing <laughs> out there and um, trying to bring them to fruition for this literally once in a lifetime opportunity that we have to, like, as you mentioned, to make sure it's as special as possible. Yeah. Um, I know yesterday it kind of hit me. I was, Bob, I think sometimes he thinks I'm literally crazy. <laughs> I walked into his office and I'm like, I just got off the phone with the Hall of Fame and this is what we need to do to get just credentials. Like, just yeah. if I want to bring four videographers, because we literally have to capture yeah. every single moment from the time we stepped foot in Cooperstown. Not a, not a second does not need to be on some guy's camera or or female, whomever we decide to take. And so that's been my whole, you know, process in terms of, you know, how do we bring these, you know, connections to the museum, such as, you know, the Chicago Cubs. Okay. Now, not just thinking about, okay, we're going to, you know, partner with you guys, you know, for Cooperstown, but obviously now we we, want to see more consistent support, you know, and what that means for, for both institutions. And I think it raises a, a larger question and, I was talking to Bob, I mentioned this and he's like, I'm working on it. <laughs> um, you know, you want to see at this point in time, just I think about December and I, and it was my first three weeks on the job when we found out that Negro League stats were going to be embedded or considered as major league stats. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> <laughs> didn't leave the museum until like 11 o'clock at night. Me and Bob walking out and he's like, you sure you want to work here? <laughs> and you, And I'm just overwhelmed, you know, with all these things, you know, in terms of you want to see Major League Baseball, you want to see the Player Association, you want to see Kansas City, you know, rally behind the museum. I mean, this is a national institution. This is not just a Kansas City museum. And so I think for me, it's obviously we're, we're talking about opening up a marketing committee, you know, from perspective, you know, companies here in the city, because we want to make sure that November, Saturday, 
12th date or leading up to that, people have an opportunity to volunteer, to help engage, to help consider how their prospective companies can be involved. If, if that's just you running the whole happy hour, I don't know. But we're, we're starting to think about, you know, we're holiday, whomever. We're starting to think about, you know, all of those integral parts because they're going to be a part of that experience. And that experience, it has to be to the best that we've seen it. And you want to make sure that people understand, not just you writing a check to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. We appreciate that. But that day and what this means as we move forward after this month Every small thing to a large thing, it means something for for the bigger picture of where we're trying to go, um, for sure. So yeah, you know, and then early on when you asked me about the decision to do the watch party, mm-hmm. it, because it really did dawn on me that we needed to capture that moment, yeah. and that's what Kiana mentioned about going to Cooperstown. We needed to capture that moment because initially I was going to do it in solitude. You know, I didn't want to have people around. I, it was going to be too painful. It's too eerily similar to the way that it was 15 years ago. And then I, I came to my better mind mm-hmm. and an understanding that this was history in the making and that we needed to capture this moment for the museum. And whether or not the outcome was favorable or not, we needed to capture that moment. And that's when we made the decision almost literally about a week before the watch party to go ahead and pull this thing together and and people responded tremendously. And not only did they respond with their presence, they donated money to support the event, you know? And so again, people grasp what this thing means and we just got to build a a legion of other supporters and and really build a level of civic pride here in, in our great city because Buck O'Neill is still iconic in this city in, 24, in 2024. It'll be a new Buck O'Neill Bridge, you know? And so now we got a Buck O'Neill Hall of Fame celebration in 2022, a new airport in 2023 that Buck O'Neill will be prominently featured in. And then in 2024, the Buck O'Neill Bridge. And so there's a lot of synergy right now. But again, these opportunities are only as good as our ability to capitalize on them. Yeah. Yeah. You can do the best things in the world, but if you don't properly communicate it, no one's ever going to see it. And I, and I got to make this point and I am, I'm coming from a place that I am not educated to make this point, but I'm going to say it anyway. And that I feel like to your point of wanting to watch the, the event and, and watch the election uh, by yourself and wanting to not be with people that as much as, everybody would have loved back in 2006 to see Buck feel that love. I got to imagine that there's a lot of people out there and we don't know each other that well, but just sitting here and knowing what you've dedicated the last 10 years of your life, I needed to see you experience that, <laughs> yeah. that moment and capture that as much yeah. as you make it about him. We all, the impact for what Buck O'Neill is about for me as someone that barely crossed paths with him, didn't, didn't know him in that way. But to see what you've dedicated your life to somebody else connects with me because it's like how important, how good of a man must he been that you will dedicate so yeah. much of your time to someone else that that were like it, it's it's real. We were struggling because going back to this before you start talking about uh, breaking barriers, the Chiefs game got moved that Sunday. Yeah, sure so that was a distraction for. Well, it was a distraction, a good distraction, because we were trying not to think we about the day. About I remember talking to you about right. that, and you're like, well, the Chiefs game. I'm like, Yeah, and then geez, for media, yeah, and so it was like it's an really earlier game, right? And it then, was initially scheduled to be a noon game, noon and then game. they moved it to the primetime game, and I yeah. was 
I was afraid that we wouldn't be able to get any media to come out because, you know, your skeletal crew was on the weekend. Most of the folks are going to be out at the stadium. But I was pleasantly surprised at the number of people who came out to the museum and then everybody got a chance to go home and watch the Chiefs win a football game. And so it, it just made the day even more special. And for the Chiefs to put that image of Buck announcing that he had gotten in on the scoreboard yeah. was amazing. And of course, crowd erupted as we kind of anticipated that they would, although I wasn't sure that they were going to do that. And so I'm just, you know, really thrilled that, again, it's symbolic of what Buck meant to our city. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys have done, like I said, a great job continuing that. And it's up to all of us to, to, to help you help tell that story. And, and before we, to wrap this up, I do want to give you a chance to, to promote and talk about Breaking Barriers, a uh, new pod, I believe new podcast um, dedicated to the, the anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. And it's in association with Major League Baseball and Major League Players Association. Yeah, no, did, I that, did I get that correct? Yeah, we're, we're excited. This year does mark the 75th anniversary of Major League Baseball's color barrier being broken. And as I remind people all the time, you cannot tell the story of the integration of baseball without our great city, Kansas City, and the Negro Leagues, because Jackie Robinson is handpicked from the great Kansas City Monarchs to break baseball's, at that time, six-decade-long self-imposed color barrier. And Jackie Robinson's breaking of the color barrier wasn't just a part of the civil rights movement, as we talk about all the time. It was the beginning of the civil rights movement in this country. But we are actually getting prepared to launch a new traveling exhibition called Barrier Breakers. And the Barrier Breaker exhibit will chronicle all of the players who broke their respective major league teams' color barriers. So from Jackie joining Brooklyn on April 15, 1947, through Elijah Pumpsey Green, 12 years later, being the last to complete the integration cycle with the Boston Red Sox and to chronicle all of their stories because it didn't get any easier for Pumpsy Green in 1959 than it did for Jackie Robinson in 1947. They all had their trials and tribulations as they were trying to blaze their path to pursue their major league careers. And they deserve to be more than just a footnote in baseball and American history. And there's also, was it Mini? The great Minnie Minoso. Minnie Minoso, Afro. Afro Latino. Yes. Yeah. And many, I'm thrilled that Minnie is also getting in the Hall of Fame because in 2006, Minnie was also on the ballot. And Buck O'Neill and Minnie Minoso were the only two living names on that ballot. And they left them both out. I will never understand what that committee was thinking about because you had a chance to turn a historic occasion into truly. And an historic occasion because you had life. Yeah. Buck O'Neill and Minnie Minoso would have brought that celebration to life. Fortunately, Buck stepped aside and came there and did it anyway. He really saved that ceremony yeah. by doing so, by so selflessly doing so. And so Minnie is featured in this exhibit because he was the first Afro-Latino ball player uh, to play in the major leagues. And I got to know Minnie extraordinarily well throughout his uh, lifetime and what a joy he was. And I'm equally excited about his induction in the Hall of Fame, uh, as well as Bud Fowler. And so we've got cause to celebrate all the way around. But this barrier breaking exhibit, I think, is going to put the focus right where it should be on Kansas City as the 
place that led this movement of ushering in integration in our game. And those stories can be told and you can go learn about that. If you've not been down to the 18th and Vine district and gone down to the Negro leagues baseball museum, I strongly recommend you doing that. And Bob, last thing I want to say, and I just, just give it some thought. Cause I think it would just be a really cool idea. Um, going back to 2006 and when Buck addressed everyone, do something where you get everybody to hold hands. Hold yeah. hands. <laughs> no, you know, you don't, don't have to sing, but yeah, if you no, agree no, to hold hands, I think it would just be a, and, and only be a beautiful Buck, moment to capture. And only Buck could get Hall of Famers to grab hands and hold hands and, and sing after him. I think you could do this. I, from, a, from a content storyteller's perspective, I don't know if there's a more impactful, impactful visual than everybody holding hands uh, in a symbolic way of honoring Buck. Yeah. I think that would be a really good cool It would be a beautiful gesture. Yes, it would. And hopefully. No COVID. And no yeah, COVID. no, no COVID. Hands and it's not exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's got to get better. It's got to get better. But, uh, well, we'll just provide some sanitizing. <laughs> Jails for everybody in the audience. So when they hold hands, they sanitize right after that. So, but now, nah, you know, it's it's fun and exciting to think about the possibilities. But we also understand we got a lot of work to do over these next 12 months to uh, take these opportunities and convert them into support for the museum. So holiday, I mean, I'm just so grateful that they sponsored you guys in this podcast. So I will be asking for a lot of drinks <laughs> to <Yeah>. get me. <laughs> I can't speak for them, but I'm very confident. And they, they, the spirit of, of what you guys are about JK. and what KCSN's about is the same thing that they're about. It's why it's a, it's a great partnership for us. And it can be, yeah. continue to yeah. be beneficial and in ways that we can connect and, and do cool things that, that get the word out that provide value for um, for KCSN to get the word out there and for you guys for monetary value, to be honest, to keep the, the museum up and going and all of those things, we that's real and it's important. And mm-hmm. um, starting with the mint coins, everybody go to the website and, and support it in the way that you can be a friend of the museum in that way. But appreciate everybody for listening to this episode. I really enjoyed and thank you so much for you guys coming up here. And thank you again to Holiday Distillery up here in Weston for hosting us for Kiana Sinks and Bob Kendrick from the Le- Negro Leagues Museum. I'm BJ Kissel. Thank you all for tuning in. We will see you guys next time.